Welcome, everybody, to the Nuggets of Gold podcast. I'm here with Jake and Mike. And to start, we are going to be recapping the Seahawks 49ers game, which turned out to be a terrible football game. Mike may might disagree good. with me. But we're going to recap that first and then kind of talk about how these teams look moving forward because, as we know now, hearing about all the 49ers injuries, um, the Seahawks look like they're rolling – the teams are moving in very opposite directions, but we're going to get into that later. Mike, I'll let you start. Your team won. What are your takeaways from this game? Um, my takeaways, I just, it's like, I feel like a kid in Disney World right now. It's everything is just going right. You can't take me off my cloud nine. I'm so, so happy. They did everything I thought they would, and they did even things I thought they wouldn't do, like rush the passer intercept a pass I, I these were like foreign concepts this year for the Seahawks they managed to do them I, I was I'm so thrilled I can't stop smiling yeah that I mean it makes a lot of sense their defensive line which I mean we even talked about like yes the Seahawks defensive line is awful they they came to play they absolutely came to play and they dominated the Niner the Niners interior offensive line like we saw that like very obviously oh yeah um that was the biggest thing where it was just like damn, like, this is how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Also, Jimmy Garoppolo, like, we know now that he his leg was jacked up. And I think – I don't know if I brought it up on the pod, but there was a video that came out of Jimmy doing, like, like backpedaling and, like, doing his drop back. And it looked like he could hardly move, and that was last week. He couldn't throw the ball with much velocity. And as the game went on, if you, if you really look closely, like, he has a couple throws early where he zips the ball. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of all over the place, too. But he's zipping the ball. And then as the game goes on, like, he can't put much on it. Like, he really can't. And he could not. He doesn't have his loading foot. He can't throw with a lot of power right now. And that hurt them. Like, they're running a limited playbook. And right from the beginning, the so let's just start with the beginning of the game. The Niners start. They stop the Seahawks. They get the ball. Good field position. They get it almost in the field goal range. Drive falls apart. Pick. I think that was the – no, not that was the, – the first drive wasn't a pick. The first drive was when he missed oh. Kittle across the middle. And it yeah, was like yeah, – it was a bad right. miss. You have to hit that throw. Yes, you're right. If he hits that throw, we don't know – maybe the game looks different. But mm-hmm. he misses that throw. Then they punt it back. They pin him back in their territory, stop him again, get the ball back in field position again. Jermichael Hasty fumbles. Really odd play. Guy on the Seahawks is like, I guess, out of bounds. Yeah, Ryan Neal. Yeah, his foot was like out of bounds when he recovered it. Yeah. I, I thought it was definitely the Seahawks ball. And then, like, you see, like, okay, the guy's actually, like, touching the out of bounds. So, like, he's on the sideline. So, it's not – it's it's an odd rule. It's just kind of mm-hmm. looks strange. It, it seemed like the Niners got lucky on that. Like, yeah, they did. It, and so, it was just kind of odd. And then the very next play, Jimmy throws a pick, a bad pick. To the former 49er, nonetheless. Yeah, that one, DJ Reed. Dude, I thought, I'll be honest, I thought DJ Reed was on the Niners' like injury reserve squad. I didn't even know he was playing right now. And so I saw him, I was like, what the hell is this? DJ, where, why is he on the other team? I was really confused. Um, I had no idea. Because I remember he had like a knee injury or like a, like a shoulder. I forget. He had some like injury this, this offseason, I thought. But, yeah, DJ Reed gets it. And then he also had a sack. I don't think he got credit for it, but he, like, made the play for the sack yeah. later in the game. Um, but right after that, DK Metcalf goes – he gets that big touchdown. With, where 
Jason Freckett's, I don't know who was blocking him, but destroyed him. Um, and it just did not look good. Okay. And then that's when the the wheels started, kind of came off and the Seahawks just dominated them for the rest of the game. And the pass rush was getting home for the Seahawks. And that, I'm not trying to take anything away from the Seahawks, like saying that the Niners didn't play well. Like they did. Seahawks yeah, came I, out there and punched them in the mouth and kicked their ass. Like that's what yeah. happened. So. Oh yeah. Um, Michael, I think, what were you yeah, saying? Um, I th- one thing that did make me nervous though is I think I don't know if you forgot to mention it, but after we scored our first touchdown after DK had that amazing play, we missed a freaking PAT. And when we missed a PAT, I was like, "Oh my god, they're gonna beat us by one." That's my thought. I was like, "We're gonna, they're gonna beat us by one point." That's what my th- first thought was. And then you guys, after that, go right down the field and you drive. And that was probably your only good drive with Jimmy, I would say. Uh, you score. You guys actually make the PAT. You got Robbie Gould. Shout out the old Chicago Bear. Um, but after that, I think just Russell Wilson really took over. Like you said, we, we, a lot of the things that we talked about uh, in the preview of this, you you were right on with. You said Russell Wilson. None of that phases him. Right down the field again, another touchdown. And I think it did kind of phase Jimmy. And also, I think his ankle uh, was really messed up, like you mentioned. Um, he wasn't zipping it well. He wasn't making good throws. He wasn't throwing with a lot of conviction, uh, which is basically just a fancy word of saying confidence. Uh, you could tell he was kind of half, half-assing his throws. Uh, he wasn't zipping them, really throwing them. And again, we're not the 2013 Seahawks, right? And we're the 2020 Seahawks, not a very good defense. Um, so to think that he couldn't really throw against us is probably an area of concern, which is we later found out his injury was very bad. So. I can't fault him too much. I still hate the guy, but I respect his toughness, I guess. I guess. So, so Jake, <laughs> what, were, um, what were your takeaways from this game? Yeah, I think you guys have covered a lot of them. Um, I mean, I think, like you were saying, the miss to Kittle over the middle to start the, that first drive is so crucial because the way the defense starts out, the way the offense was rolling – could be a completely different story if he hits that throw. I mean, that's, you know, it's a really big throw for him to miss. Um, Hasty's fumble. I, we got lucky to just get unlucky. And um, obviously, you know, we'll talk about it more later, but, you know, you talk about the severity of the injury to Garoppolo, um, which is obviously why he's not zipping those throws in. And that was kind of concerning to me because, uh, Watching a lot of 49ers football, we know Jimmy's not a deep ball guy. You know, Russ can uncork 40-yard bombs to DK Metcalf every single week. Jimmy has never been that guy. What he is good at doing is hitting guys on a slant. Even if they are, you know, a little bit behind the guy, he can zip that ball in there. And we just weren't seeing that. And um, Mark Schlereth uh, early in the broadcast said he's lifting his foot. And that was something that we saw – um, in the Miami game where he's lifting his foot, he's lifting his foot. And that led to a really, really ugly game. And I really got more or less the same vibes out of this game where it was just super ugly. And, uh, you know, just some stupid stuff. Like the DK Metcalf play, he gets completely untouched. Emmanuel Mosley takes the worst route ever. I don't know why he would run behind the the blocker. It just makes no sense to me there. Um, but other than that, man, the defense was on the field too long after that. The offense couldn't get rolling and the rest is history. I mean, you didn't, you know, you don't need me to tell you what happened. We all know 
what happened after that. Yeah, no, yeah. I know. Like that. Go, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. I was just say, yeah, I think um, you really made a good point there with the whole Jimmy thing. Uh, his big game is he's not a deep ball thrower like Russ. He really has to have a lot of zip on his ball, get a lot of good velocity on there to fit him in those windows because they're built off of those short passes and then let their guys make plays down the field. And when you can't even make those short passes or you can't even hit Kittle up the seam uh, like he missed earlier in the game, then that's going to be really crucial for the offense. Uh, you brought up also that he's, you know, he's not great with throwing the ball deep. As I like to say, I think he's hit more porn stars in the last year than he has passes down the field. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I just think, you know, when you're when you're pretty one, <laughs> when you're pretty one dimensional and you're injured, I mean that's just going to make for a lot of problems. Yeah. So so we were talking about and and Mike, I love it, man. I love it. Um, <laughs> but. The, the one thing about Jimmy, and this, is, this has been why I've been so big about Jimmy, is that, yeah, like, he doesn't hit, like, the super flashy plays. Like, he's never done that. Like, but there's a lot of quarterbacks that don't do that. I, I've never thought Jimmy was in, like, the very elite tier of quarterbacks because that's a couple dudes. And you know who those dudes are. You know who can even, like, really become those guys. Jimmy's never had the, the physical tools to become that. That doesn't really always matter in winning. And the thing that I've always said about Jimmy is that like, he always gets it done. He always gets little things done. He does these little things. You know, and you'll see like, oh, he hits that route. He hits the guy perfectly in stride. And, and yes, like the deep, ball aren't, deep balls aren't there as much. That kind of stuff has not – but these, like those little things, they have not been that prevalent this year. That's been the issue. And I think that you can absolutely attribute a lot of that to the ankle injury. I don't know how much though, but he has been so banged up. And like, if you like the videos of him in practice, he can't move. I don't think that it was smart to even, to even have been playing him. And I think the only reason why they've been playing him, why they rushed him back is because Nick Mullen single-handedly lost them a Sunday night football game and like completely cracked under the pressure. And so they're like, okay, Jimmy, like we, we gotta have you, man, because this is this is not flying. That's kind of where I am am at with them. But you bring it up, like he's not Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's injured. Russell Wilson doesn't have the the offensive line. Like we've seen that kind of stuff with Russ, and it doesn't really phase him. That's not also... every that's not every quarterback, though, you know. And so like with all that stuff happening with so many guys out with all this, these like Jimmy being hurt, like it's just not working. And we saw that right away, right from uh, on Sunday. I also want to, I also want to say the impact of Debo Samuel being hurt for this game. It, it, it goes beyond, you know, what we can even imagine because with most being out, you, you know, you're already missing a guy who can really set the edge on defense. Um, I know Seahawks are better at stopping the rush than they are stopping the pass. Um, but when you talk about um, our rushing game, we, we didn't have anybody that was really physical. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan is a guy who likes to do outside runs. And Jamichael Hasty clearly was not that guy. Tevin Coleman came in and looked – like he was going to have a badass game within the first few plays and then he gets hurt and, you know, 
we're done. And I think had Debo been healthy, yeah, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's a guy who's physical, you know, and he could play super, super physical on those outside runs. And there's a lot of 49er fans like curious why IU didn't get the same opportunities. And my answer to that is I actually think it's pretty simple. I, I think he's just not dynamic enough to do something like that. Like, of course he can tote the rock and he could do that if he was asked upon. Um, but I, I just don't know that it's going to be with the same kind of physicality as a Raheem Mostert or a Debo Samuel. Um, it, it's just not the same. I like that. Yeah. I like that you bring up the physicality. Missing Debo, that dude, I didn't realize like that would be such a big deal. When they've had Debo, when they haven't had Debo, has had the same effect on the offense as when they've had Mostert or when they haven't had Mostert. And so I gotta say, like, Debo, dude, Debo's really important. I did not realize that. Like, and I'm I'm a huge Debo fan, but there's a lot of guys where it's like, oh, you get the bonus. But then there's guys that you have to have them or the offense doesn't click. I think he's one of those guys for the 49ers. Um, for the Seahawks, like you have, you have, I think you have three guys that are like that. There is no Chris Carson today. Are they getting hurt by having no Chris Carson? No. No, they're not like – it's not going to affect their game. There's three guys, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson. If you have those guys, yep. it can click. And like at the, at, the, at the bare minimum, you can get the ball moving and you know, do those sort of things. But you gotta. Every team has like their guys that they need to click, and every roster's different. But Debo definitely showed that the physicality that he brings, and and you brought up Coleman. I mean, it's it's just is just how this year is gone. Oh look, Tevin Coleman's looking so good. Boom, knee injury. It's like, oh my god, like catch. Can we please catch a break? <laughs> yeah, and then, like you said with the Debo thing, I think he's not necessarily a. You know, he's not like a top 10 receiver, but I think he's such a dynamic player and you bring such a different element to that offense that it's so important for them to have him to have him because they like to run a lot of jet sweeps. You know, uh, they do all like sorts of things with Cal Shannon. They're very creative. So he definitely uh, as an element of that offense that without him, I didn't think he was, you know, you're talking about valuable. I didn't think he was that valuable either that the 49ers were totally crumble without him, but they really did. Um, another thing, uh, like you said, uh, you're talking about Jimmy. A lot of people were like, well, why bring Jimmy back? Well, in their defense, they kind of need to bring Jimmy back, right? Pretty much every single game going forward for the NFC West is the playoff game, right? This is the best division in football, like, by far. You need to win every single game. There's You can't take games off. You can't have, a, you know, a two- or three-game skid where you just blow a couple games because it's going to be the, – the the division winner is probably going to go, like, 14-2, and 13-3. Then you're going to have, like, an 11-5, and 10-6. and six. So you really have to win every game. Um, so I'll give the tiniest ounce of respect to Jimmy Garoppolo for trying to get out there and to trying to bring his team a win, very much needed win. Um, but unfortunately they just weren't able to get it done, but, but I understand, I understand the logic behind it, obviously. Yeah, I get the logic behind it too. And, I, and I'm sure that people are upset about like, okay, like now Kittle's hurt. I think it's kind of odd that Kittle, I mean, like it's kind of odd that he was still in there, but this is how football's played. Like you don't just start pulling guys early. Like, and I get that people want that to happen because there's a lot of injuries, but that's just how football is. It's very, it's a brutal sport and guys get hurt all the time. Mm -hmm. It sucks that this has been the case, but um, kind of talking about how this team looks moving forward, the Niners season is probably done 
in terms of are they actually going to make a real like run? Could they make the playoffs as the sixth or seventh seed? I guess. I don't I think it. they will. I really don't think they will. And I, I also I'm, would say I don't think it matters because they'll just get smacked by whoever they play most likely. Um, I mean, maybe, I, I don't know. You'd have to see like Nick Mullins play out of his mind or, or I don't know, anyone to play, like whoever's playing quarterback, maybe CJ Beathard, but it doesn't look very good for them. Does that mean that like, Oh, like let's stop watching the Niners. Absolutely not. We have a lot of, there's a lot of things to be excited about. Brandon Ayuk looks like a stud. He looks like a fantastic first round draft pick. Javon Kinlaw didn't hear his name a ton. Javon Kinlaw. We've heard what Nick Bosa and other guys have said about him. Let's see how he looks. We have other young guys on the defensive line. How does DJ Jones look? There's so many parts of this team that you still have to watch because the 20, the next year, the 2021 Niners will probably be a very good team. Like they're going also, to, you go ahead. I also want to bring up, like, I think 2021 for San Francisco is kind of going to be a little bit scary. Now, obviously it depends on the quarterback situation because we don't know what's going to happen. Is Garoppolo going to get brought back? Is he going to get cut and we draft somebody? We don't really know what's going on there. So on that front, it's a little bit scary, I guess. But um, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan this past offseason, I think were, they were very limited. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they had little draft picks and they had no money to spend. And what are you supposed to do in that situation, especially after you just made the Super Bowl? Well, you just try and retain the roster that just took you to the Super Bowl and you hope that you get as close, if not back, to the Super Bowl again, which we already know is extremely unlikely anyways. Uh, you know, I, I think the last time a Super Bowl loser made it back to the Super Bowl was like the 0-2 Patriots or something. It was, it's been a long time. And um, now they have nine draft picks. They're going to have a lot of money, assuming that they cut the players that we've discussed cutting. And they're probably going to have a pretty high first round draft pick when you think about all the injuries we've had, um, coupled with the schedule coming up. Like I look at this schedule and even against football team and the Cowboys, I say, okay, those are probably wins, but I don't even know for sure at this point with our roster being so hurt. So I am a little bit concerned, but I look at it this as the Jimmy Garoppolo ACL injury year, um, kind of where it's just a reload. We know this team is good. We know they're a playoff team, and we know they're probably even a Super Bowl caliber team, but it's just kind of a reload year. We've taken a step back. That's fine. Every team does. It's about how do you rebuild the team and get back into a position to get back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the big thing, the big question mark for next year is who's going to be playing quarterback. Even though I'm a huge Jimmy Garoppolo fan, I just I don't find it likely that he's going to be their starter next year. Does that mean that that's even the best choice? No, because you could definitely get someone else in there and he will not play as good as Jimmy Garoppolo will play next season. That is extremely likely. We see that all the time where teams try to change it up and it doesn't work out. I don't know what they would be doing. Like, it's one thing if it's like, oh, Aaron Rodgers opts out. 
yeah, no brainer. Like that's they're gonna yeah. they're going to acquire Aaron Rodgers if they can. Dak Prescott wants to sign with the Niners. Yes, they will do that. They will do those type of those type of moves. What happens if it's like, oh, you have to draft a guy that's eh, okay, first or second round, or you have to trade for someone? I don't know if that's necessarily a better move. I don't know if Kyle is like we're thrown in the towel with Jimmy. I don't know. I think a lot of people have just like, yeah, like Kyle doesn't like Jimmy. I don't know if Kyle doesn't like Jimmy. I think Kyle doesn't love Jimmy. So I don't really know how that's going to work out. I think it's a lot more likely that we see something where they cut Jimmy or restructure Jimmy or change up his deal and go, hey, man, like you're the starter, but we're going to draft a guy in the third or fourth round or second round. I think that's very likely. I don't think a lot of people have really brought that up. And then it's like, hey, and it's very likely that you go, oh, look, Jimmy, last year it was all the ankle. He looks way better. That'd be awesome. And then you have a better backup because as much as I thought Nick Mullins was a very solid backup, I don't agree with that anymore. I don't think he is. I mean, we saw him kind of struggle, and and it's a lot of it's just the offense working and clicking and stuff. Is he like a terrible backup? No, but he's he's a backup quarterback. He's not a starter. He's he mm-hmm. can spot start a couple times. You're gonna go uh, hopefully 500. Um, but that's kind of where it's at now. You you got to watch these young guys. You got to see how they work out. The the Yak Bros on offense will be there next year. I told I said this. If you have a healthy quarterback, you got those three guys on offense, and you're able to run the football. That offense is going to be a top three lock. I still completely agree with that. They're not going to be have the, the Yak Bros for the rest of the year. There's no Kittle. Debo's still hurt. Ayuk's healthy. Hopefully Ayuk just keeps getting better. Hopefully Debo comes back and has a solid, strong second half of the year because that could go a long way next year. When they come out and they go, okay, we got our three dudes, our three pieces on offense. We have Moster again next year. You know, We have these guys. We're ready to run it back on offense. We bolster up the interior offensive line. On the defensive side, I mean, look at all the guys that have been hurt on the defensive side. It's really hard to judge them. And, and their defense has looked good when it's been healthy, when there's not a whole bunch of guys in and out of the lineup. And so it's not like it's like, oh, like they just got to blow it up. Absolutely not. I do not agree with that at all. I don't think they're going to do something like that. Today they traded Quan Alexander for a fifth-round pick. And, Jake, we should be popping champagne right now, not because Quan is gone, but because we acquired a fifth-round pick, and this team is godly with their fifth-round picks. So – so, I don't know. We never know. We've seen the way that Adam Peters is drafted in the fifth round. I say you trade all your second-rounders for fifth-round picks because right now the 49ers' second-round picks have not brought them that much. Well, we Debo. Thought, we, Debo, that's it, though. We got and, and guess what we saw yesterday? We saw Dante Pettis come in there and do the most Dante Pettis thing of all time on kickoff return. I don't know what he was thinking. He goes flying up over the top of, of the pile – and gets, like, spun around like a helicopter and then fumbles the ball. And it was like, wow, Dante Pettis being Dante Pettis. Uh, John Middlecoff said that he doesn't think that, he'll ever, that we'll ever see Dante Pettis on an NFL football field again. And he's like, no, I'm even for another team. He goes, yeah, he'll be a practice squad guy. He'll probably never play another snap. That's what he honestly thought. And he's a former scout. So a lot of people are like, yeah, Dante Pettis is done. Oh, my God. I mean, they – so – it also sounds like they, the only reason Dante Pettis was active is because the 49ers did not have enough cap flexibility to bring Kevin White up from the practice squad. That just shows how insane it is. Like, he shouldn't even be on the field. Like, it's so brutal. So, yeah. 
and, and this season's gonna be it's gonna be rough, but you just gotta root for these young guys to keep progressing. And Kevin, to, to talk about the um the Quan Alexander trade, um not only uh is it a fifth round pick in Kiko Alonso, who by the way is a much better um value as a third linebacker as opposed to Quan Alexander. Sure, Quan Alexander might be a little bit more talented per se, but we're paying him way too much. So not only are we getting the fifth rounder in Kiko, uh, we're also getting $15 million of cap for the next two seasons, which I don't think people understand how valuable that is, especially with how much of a cap bind we were in this season. Um, I mean, I kind of said it early in the season. I didn't want to put ourselves in a position where we were like the 2019 Rams, where we have so much cap just eaten alive by, you know, acquisition, uh, acquisition, excuse me, um, because there's this pressure to get back. And we kind of were, it, it, you know, it feels a little bit inevitable. And some of these guys, uh, they're mistakes, and we're going to have to start cleaning up some of those contractual mistakes. Um, you know, we've heard rumblings of guys getting cut this off season. Um, I mean, obviously we'll hit on that. I'm sure way later down the road as we start nearing the end of the season and after the postseason and all that stuff. But, um, it is certainly something to think about moving forward that we do have $15 million of cap and an extra draft pick. Yeah. I totally agree, um, but let's kind of let's kind of talk about how the the Seahawks are going to look for the rest of the year. Mike, obviously, you're the man uh, this off, so let's hear it. I well, I'm very optimistic because I, I I'm not trying to rub salt on the wound here, but whereas the 49ers are kind of cold and getting more injured, the Seahawks are hot and getting healthy. Right, Seahawks are six and one, best record in the NFC, would be the best record in the uh, entire NFL. Uh, well, they'd be tied with the Steelers if the Ravens would have beat them. But, you know, they're 6-1. and one. Uh, They're going against Buffalo. I mean, we got just major reinforcements coming. We had a guy starting at defensive end. I don't know if you know this, Matt and Jake, but we had a guy starting at defensive end on Sunday who didn't play defensive end since he was a high schooler, right? We drafted him as a tight end. We drafted him as a tight end. And he hadn't played defensive end since he was, like, a junior or senior in high school. And Pete Carroll said, hey, want to play defensive end? Sure. Played defensive end, rock number 48, I think it was. So that was awesome. I mean, we got guys coming in. We got newly acquired Carlos Dunlap in the trade, which, by the way, we should probably make some more trades. We got Carlos Dunlap. We got Snacks Harrison coming in to plug up the middle. Uh, we have, you know, uh, linebackers coming up. We have, you know, Jordan Brooks is starting to get healthy. We have Shaquille Griffin coming back. Uh, hopefully we can get Ugo Amadi back. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we have an all-pro safety that hasn't played since week three that he's coming back to. So, I mean, we're just getting so many reinforcements on the defensive side. On offense, we got Philip Dorsett coming back, uh, hopefully hopefully coming back. We have Mike Ayupati coming back. He has been a starting left guard for us for a little while. We got Rashad Penny, our first-round pick a couple years ago. So, this team, I mean, we're getting re- – oh, I forgot to mention Daryl Taylor on defense, another great – our second-round pick this year, our pass rusher. So, we have guys coming back, and we're hot right now. and. I, I, I like this a lot better than having to rely on them going forward. Now it's just like a luxury, you know, they come in, they ball out. That's great. They can add it to what, what, what we're already doing. So, I mean, man, I'm, I could not be happier right now. We're a field goal kick away from being seven and zero, getting a lot of our starters back. That's just, I mean, that's fantastic. 
Yeah, and and I feel like too with the Seahawks, I, as much as I hate to admit this, they're going to win the NFC West. I, I don't think there's any question about that. I think the Rams, McVay has some ego thing going on where he doesn't want to hand the ball off. I, I don't know. He threw the ball 61 times against the Miami Dolphins with Jared Goff, who gets one pass rusher in his face and throws it about 50 yards over Robert Wood's head. Uh, and he's, you know, pass leading Cooper Cup right into a middle linebacker about to blow his head off. Like, fantastic. He, the Rams are horrible. They're, I, I think they're the biggest frauds. I think that they would probably be the last place team in this division had San Francisco been healthy. I think the Arizona Cardinals are good, but they're young, they're inexperienced, and, you know, they just can't figure out how to use Isaiah Simmons. I think if they figure out how to use that kid, they'd probably be a lot more legit. Um, but defensively, they have way too many issues. Seattle, I mean, roster-wise, you would think these guys are, like, made out of paper mache, but it's Pete Carroll, it's DK Metcalf, Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, Jamal Adams. You get these guys on the field, it just feels almost like no matter what kind of game they're in, they're going to win. Even watching the Arizona Cardinals game last week, I said there's no way – Russell Wilson loses there's just no way and while they did lose it it felt like that was their game and Mm -hmm. I I look at you know the NFC moving forward they're a legit Super Bowl contender I don't know who stops them I think probably the only team capable of stopping them at this point is Tampa Bay I think they have a legit defense and you never bet against Brady but uh, you know obviously that's you know something to be worried about way down the road because I think that's probably the NFC championship game we're all dying to see at this point but uh, you know the teams have to make it there first we have to see how the rest of the season unfolds because injuries happen especially in this crazy COVID you know filled year and everything else but I, I think Seattle probably has the best chance to grab the one seed and win the NFC West at this point. Yeah. And Jake, just a couple of things. The one seed this year being that there's seven teams is so important. Um, I mean, and I don't know what the situation is going to be like with the fans and who's going to be allowed in the stadium, but if there are fans and we have that one seed, we have that home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I mean, the 12s are just going to be such a huge advantage for us in the playoffs. Uh, it's going to make the atmosphere just so much better for us. Um, and you mentioned, you said that probably the two teams that you're looking at right now in the NFC, and obviously it's too early to tell, but you said the Buccaneers and the Seahawks. I completely agree. You know, I was high on the Packers. Um, maybe that's just bias because they they beat us in the playoffs last year. But pa- the Packers, I've seen this twice this year in about three weeks. When the Packers start slow, Aaron Rodgers crumbles. Like, he does not look like Aaron Rodgers. You know, if Aaron Rodgers is playing like the Texans or whatever, He's throwing five touchdowns. Of course, he's going to be doing really good, and he's playing awesome. But against Minnesota and against Tampa Bay, he started off slow, and they just never got back on track. Whereas I think like a team like the Seahawks or even the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers have done this this year too, when their quarterbacks start slow, they get better as the game goes on, and they, they always make it close. With Aaron Rodgers, I think he just kind of mentally checks out. So I think if the Seahawks – and they've shown the ability to – start off fast and they, you know, maybe get a bomb to DK or something start the game defense, maybe gets a turnover. Um, then I think Packers should be pretty good to go. But like you said, with the Buccaneers, their defense is legit. Uh, the only the biggest weakness with their defense, which is good for Seattle is their defensive backs. I think um, I don't see anybody that can guard, you know, DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. And obviously I'm projecting, you know, 
six, uh, what, three months in advance uh, for the NFC Championship game. You know, I'm knock on wood. Um, but as of right now, you know, I think it's – I think unless you're a Makana, you can really admit this, that, you know, Russell Wilson is the MVP of the league, and I don't even think close. Uh, he's hopefully going to break Peyton Manning's. Keep on, he had 31 touchdowns all of last year, and he's got 26, and it's not even halfway point right now. He's, he's just unbelievable. And it's just I'm, – I'm so happy. I just want to stay healthy. I just – all right, Mike. Mike just cut out right there, um, but I I totally agree with him. Russell Wilson is the MVP, um, and I I think that you definitely have a point. The, the only thing that I could bring up, like the teams, you brought up the Packers, and you brought up like Aaron Rodgers mentally checks out. I don't know if it's that. I I think the problem with the Packers, I don't think it's Aaron Rodgers at all. I think it's. Their run defense is the worst run defense in the NFL, probably. And when they get down, teams just pound the rock. And so Aaron can't really get going. Like, even against the Vikings, it's 14-14 at half. It's not like Aaron Rodgers was, like, struggling like crazy. at the beginning. Like, him and, him and Adams had – I think it was two touchdowns to Adams in the first half. And then they start running the ball with Cook and pounding the rock. And they just take the clock and they take the game out of Rodgers' hands. I think it's more of that. The Bucks, the Bucks are I think they're a good matchup against the Seahawks. They're kind of similar builds in a way. I think the Bucks probably have a little bit better roster. But at this point of their careers, Russell Wilson is much better than than Tom Brady. And that's not to knock Tom. Russ Russ is just balling right now. I mean, you brought up he's MVP. Yes, he is the, he's gonna win the MVP. I think that's pretty much a lock at this point. And I've said that for a few weeks now, um, but but they you like Mike, you definitely have should be super excited. Um, you also have to account for the Saints, and I know that it's like oh, like the Saints haven't looked that good, and it's really easy to be like ah, oh, screw the like the Saints are still really good. Sean Payton is a fantastic coach. Drew Brees is still a good quarterback. They have not had Michael Thomas. That's probably one of the biggest injuries that just kind of gets like forgotten about because that seems like what everyone's done, like, oh, let's just count out the Saints now. Like, no, they're missing Michael Thomas. And I don't – Michael Thomas annoys me quite a bit, but, like, he is a good football player. So those three teams, I think, are the biggest threats to them. You got the Eagles. They're not going to do anything. They're probably going to – I'm pretty sure they're going to win the NFC East. They're not a good team. But I think it's basically those four teams kind of in the NFC. And the Seahawks are – they're lucky in the sense of – they don't have to be in the conference with the Ravens, Chiefs, and the Steelers because those three teams are very good. There's no one like that in the NFC. I don't, and I don't think the Seahawks are quite there. Does it, I think they're probably the fourth, the fourth best team in the league right now. Them or the Bucks, like one of those two. But those three teams are just like, yeah, we have a, we have good quarterbacks, good offenses, and good defenses. Like, like run it. Like we'll run it with anyone. That's kind of how they are. The Seahawks the Seahawks can definitely run with anyone. Like that's, that's become clear. Same with the Bucks, And I think the last like five, six years, the Saints have shown that they can do the same thing, especially the last few years. They've just kind of had some collapses. Um, but why not the Saints, honestly? Because every year it's like, oh, the Saints are going to win it. And then they fall apart. Well, this year they're just switching it up. They're falling apart early in the year, and then they're going to get it together. They were my Super Bowl pick, so I'm still my from the NFC. I said Saints, Ravens. I still believe that, um, and I like 
yeah, is that like, do I think they're the best teams? No, but I still think that there's a very good chance that happens. Um, but definitely, Mike, I think you should be stoked about that. Is there anything that either of you guys want to bring up before we kind of wrap it up here? Yeah, I do. Um, I was watching First Take earlier today, and I wanted to get your opinion because, you know, I might have just a slight bias when it comes to this. Um, but they were talking, and it was Rex Ryan, Ryan Clark, and and Greeny. And they were talking about, is DK Metcalf right now the best receiver in the NFL? And I thought, sat back, and I thought, yes. But here, that's that's why I wanted to get your opinion because I'm like, well, obviously, I'm going to say DK. I have his jersey right over here, you know. I'm a big DK guy. But I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, DK Metcalf is – one of the fastest. He's not the fastest. He's one of the fastest receivers, right? He's probably the strongest. Got great hands. He's a good route, not great, good route runner. And the biggest thing is that he's got Russell Wilson as his quarterback. So I think, I personally think that right now, DK Metcalf is the best receiver in the NFL. So, so it's between him and Hopkins. It's him or Hopkins. Him or so Hopkins. No, no, for no, me, no. For me, it's Hopkins. It's Hopkins. He's played with the most horrible quarterbacks until he got Watson and Kyler. He's just a machine. What is he at? 704 yards leads the league. I think DK is incredible. Uh, it pains me to admit that we have um, two of the top three receivers in the league in our division. And you could argue three of probably the top 15 if you want to add Cup. Tyler um, Lockett. I see the yeah. Disrespect? Yeah, that's okay, well, Jake. Well, no, 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 not even disrespect towards Lockett. It's just that he's not the number one there. I do, I do value Lockett. I just think that the fact that he's not the number one there, kind of, you take a step back there because you know it's the same way with the Rams, um, where you know you look at Cup versus Woods. It's like, okay, well, you know, whoever has the better season is gonna get the higher ranking because they were the number one receiver or with. Um, you know, the Niners, you're never going to say Debo's the best guy on offense when you have George Kittle because, you know, Kittle's just a machine. I think it's Hopkins, and I think the reason it's Hopkins is because I just think at this point in his career, he's a more complete player. He's a red zone threat. He's a good route runner. He's a good yards after catch kind of guy. Uh, he has insane hands. And those are all things that I think um, DK does very well as well but I think he's still kind of on his way. I think he's still developing into that player. Whereas DeAndre Hopkins is already there. And also Hopkins is playing with, yeah, a top 10 quarterback, but DK is playing with the best quarterback in the NFL right now, at least this season, you can make an argument for Mahomes. I'm taking Wilson this season. So that's why I take a step back and I pick Hopkins over DK, but it, it's really not that far off anymore. It's really not. So. I think that you guys are very wrong. The best receiver in the league has been the same guy for like five to like Julio. since he, Yes, it's Julio Jones. You overrated so, answer. No, no, it is not. You, okay, go back, go back and watch the first drop, the first two drives of the Falcons Panthers game, and just watch Julio. He runs a he runs a post corner, That's and right. I think it's. I think it's – is it Bradbury that they have? I think that's their main guy, the, the Panthers yeah. corner. He falls – I'm pretty sure it's him guarding him. He falls down, like, on the ground, on a post mm -hmm. corner. Julio Jones wins in every single way. He wins – you can throw it up to him. He'll moss the hell out of anyone. Also, it doesn't help him that he has 
friggin' noodle arm Matt Ryan. And I think Matt Ryan's a good quarterback, but he does not have the arm to really help Julio excel, which is okay. They just that's not a good pairing. I, I've said that for years. Like I hate the fact that Julio Jones plays with Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan would work a lot better with a different type of guy. Like like Julio if Julio was with the right the right quarterback for him, he could have fifteen I mean, he has what, fifteen to eighteen hundred yards every single season, even mm-hmm. when he misses like two or three games. And then it's like, ah, oh, Julio had four touchdowns. Like, yeah, watch the jump balls that he gets. They throw it up. And you, do you guys remember? I mean, the best one, is it, is it Gilmore where he rips it out of his hands? Malcolm Butler. Where he and Malcolm Butler? Yeah. Yeah. F you, Malcolm Butler. Think about how bad of a throw that was. That was yeah. a horrible throw. That's what he's been dealing with his entire career. Julio Jones is, like, in my mind, like a few steps ahead of everyone else. But I will say this about DK. I think that Hopkins – I think Hopkins is a fantastic receiver. I think Michael Thomas is too. I think you could say both those guys are better. I think that – and I've said this before. I think there's a couple receivers where it's like they're in the perfect situation, like Tyreek Hill. Yeah. I think comparing DK Metcalf to Tyreek Hill is perfect. I think those are – like that's the comp for him. Just because Tyreek Hill, it's like – yeah, would Tyreek Hill be doing this with Ryan Tannehill? You're like, no. No, he has to have a guy that airs it out, that helps him. It's a lot about what's around him, too. Him and Kelsey, like, they work magic together. Same thing as DK. Okay, this is a good question, though. This is a good question to bring up. So, obviously, you know, there was the whole thing in the last draft class um, with DK where – it's, you know, there was, oh, you know, combine concerns and blah, yeah, blah, blah. had three cone drill. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Right. And, you know, so there's, there's that. Um, for me personally, and I feel like Titans fans would say this as well, I don't regret drafting Debo. I don't think Titans fans regret drafting A.J. Brown. But do you think some of these teams earlier in the draft, like the Ravens who got um, Hollywood Brown, are sitting here like, damn, we could have had DK, man. Like, how many teams do you think are, you know, sitting there kicking themselves that drafted a wide receiver last year wishing they had DK? I would say it's definitely not the Niners and definitely not the Titans because they got good production. But I, what, what's your guys' opinion? I think personally, if you're going to put a single fan base on the most suicide watch due to the DK Metcalf drafting, it's the Eagles. And here's why. So instead, they picked um, they picked JJ Ortega Whiteside or whatever his name is. Yeah, that guy. So in his career, and I don't know what he's done this year, but uh, in his career, he's had 155, I think it was receiving yards. Um, DK Metcalf last year against the Eagles in the playoffs had 160 yards. So <laughs> I think JJ I think Ortega Whiteside was that was a such a dumb pick. He was basically like. Stanford's red zone guy. It was like, yep, that's what he does. All right, let's draft this guy. Yeah, yeah no. There, Wait, but if, if, D, if DK Metcalf was redrafted, he's going top five. Like, oh, 100%. You think so? Yeah. 100%. And here's the other thing. People totally over – like, people – like, I don't know, but, like, before the draft, I was re- – I'm, I'm big into the draft stuff and everything. And so they were saying top five busts because, obviously, DK ran a great 40. He benched a million pounds. He was super fast. But they're, like, top five draft busts, DK Metcalf. And I, this is before they drafted him, so I was like, I was reading it, and what they pointed to was he had he was injured in college, which was like whatever, and they said something I'll never forget this. 
he ran a slower three cone drill than Tom Brady. Tom Brady ran a faster three cone drill. So their the whole article is he's got no change of direction. He's not going to be a good route runner. He the the only I remember they said the only route he could run is is a go route and that's it. You know it's recess football with him. Like he can't run routes. And I was like interesting thing. And I was like oh maybe DK can't run routes. And then they drafted the Seahawks drafted him. I was ecstatic. And all of a sudden his rookie year he's running routes. He's getting open. He's getting separation. Obviously he's huge. He's fast. He's strong. He's smart. But I think. A little, a little bit of what Matt said with the with the perfect situation, and I'm going to take it a step further. Not even though with Russell Wilson being such a great deep ball thrower, I think Russ is just such a great mentor and such a great coach that he's coached deep. So, so yeah, I mean, DK DK definitely is is a really really good player. I, I and I agree with you. I think you you bring up the three cone drill. I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, oh, he gets told, oh, you can't change, you know, you can't, your hips aren't fluid, your hips aren't fluid, blah, 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 blah. And then he just worked on that entirely. Also, separation isn't only from your change of direction, your ability to pivot and stuff. He's massive. So if someone comes up and tries to press him, his, he's going to be able to get a great release off of them and he's going to be able to use his body. Like you see so many guys, like look at, Okay, look at Travis Kelsey. Do you think Travis Kelsey's three-cone is very good? Probably not. Travis Kelsey eats in zone coverage. Because why? Because he's very good at finding the spots, and he uses his body to, to get open. Like, you can get open in so many other ways. So I feel like that, like, I don't know why he slid so much. But also, like, the thing that you always hear is, like, oh, like, this guy is so likely to be a bust. I think that stuff is so stupid. Because the bigger reason for why a guy is going to be a bust is because he gets drafted by the Jets or the Browns. Like, that's the reason that guys are bust most of the time. Usually it's either one of two things of why guys are bust. One, and these are this is for early draft picks, not like late picks that don't pan out because those guys just typically are not as talented. But it's usually because they get drafted by a team that doesn't know how to use them or the team screws them up. That happens a lot. Or they don't work hard. Like, those are the two things. So DK gets drafted. Prob- I mean – probably even at the time most people would have thought that he got underdrafted like that like he should have got picked earlier i think a lot of people thought that and he slid right and it's like oh he's a bustable player or whatever well put him into the seahawks culture put him in with russell wilson and he's gonna figure it out mm-hmm. also the whole recess football thing if you can dominate at that and then you get put into a situation where you're going to get coached to get better then it's just like it's a no-brainer so so his, like, the whole, like, floor and ceiling, all that stuff, I think it's dumb. DK was talented. We all knew that. I'm going to wrap it up right now because we're gonna, we've been talking for a long time. But it was great talking to you, Mike. Great talking to you, Jake. Uh, you, Mike, your team's looking a lot better right now than us. But still. Russell MVP. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but thanks, everyone, for listening. And if you are listening and haven't left a review, please leave a five-star review and a rating. That is super clutch for the show helps it get out there more. So thanks everyone for listening and we will be back to you with you later this week.